0: As always, should you avoid the excellent guidance you're about to receive, you'll be disavowed. Also, this message will self-destruct in three seconds. Three, two, one. Well, it's time for Your Financial Mission. Walter Storholt here alongside Janine Theus, CEO and founder of Theus Wealth Advisors your financial commander here on the podcast. Janine's in Columbia, Howard County area. You can find her online at theuswealthadvisors.com Although today, Janine is joining us from the great state of Oregon, and uh, we're excited to chat with her once again here on the program as we talk about financial planning and future generations. You know, no matter how old your kids get, there's probably a good chance they're still going to play some sort of role in your financial plan, some way, shape, or form. So we want to talk about some of the common scenarios Janine sees where children somehow come into play during that planning process. Uh, One area, Janine, certainly has to be families where mom and dad are on the verge of retirement with kids who are adults but still on the payroll in some fashion.
1: You would be surprised how many people this applies to. (laughs) (laughs) Probably never before in history have we had so many adult children still on the payroll in some fashion. And it's neither a good nor bad thing if it is mutually helpful at some point. But as parents are closer to retirement, their need to conserve resources is is greater. And so they need to be very careful about the money that they're, you know, paying out, if you will, to children, adult children. And if your kids are not you know, they're 26, 27, 28, 30, and should be, you know, it's one thing to help them buy a house. And that's probably been a methodology, if you will, or a strategy that a lot of people have had through the years to help people get into their, kids get into their first house. Don't have a big problem with that. Because maybe you've foregone the big wedding and you want the down payment for a house. That can happen a lot. But if you're paying money to kids, you're paying their rent, you're paying lifestyle, you're paying all these other things because they're just quite not earning enough, you do need to think about paring backs because the kids do need to be independent. And they need to make these financial decisions themselves. And if they fail, then they fail because that's a very good teaching mechanism. (laughs) Yeah. You know, if if there's not a huge, there might be a little safety net, but if you've created a big safety net for your kids, they're going to take a lot longer to get to that point where they are financially independent and savvy. So it's very important that you not compromise what you're going to be able to replace in retirement in terms of your income because you've spent it on your kids as they're fledgling off into adulthood. And this is a big issue for some people. Yeah. You know, especially if you're in your mid to late 60s and your kids are still, you're still helping your kids that way, unless you've made an agreement and they're going to take care of you in your elderly years.
0: Right, right. (laughs) Get that agreement in writing, though. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Exactly right. There needs to be some um, quid pro quo here in terms of expectation. Right. And. If you're footing the bill on lifestyle, you're not helping your kids at all.
0: I get really jealous of uh, kids who are still on the payroll. I was still in high school. My dad started kicking me off the payroll. He was of—he <laughs> was already unloading like, burdens onto me. You know, like, all right, well, you got a job, so now you can start paying for this. All right, and uh, now you got a second job. You can start paying for this.
1: <laughs> well, and I think for many of us, you know, and when we were growing up, you knew you couldn't ask your parents for money because there wasn't any money. So we all, if I wanted lifestyle money, I had to go earn it.
0: Yes, right.
1: And I think that that was a very valuable thing for all of us to learn because it does make you more independent.
0: I'm Um, not going to try and brag, but I did take pride in, even in, in college years when I'd come home and visit mom and dad, I'd take pride when I was walking out the door and dad would try and slip me some gas money and being able to say to him, you know what? No, I'm I'm okay. I, I I'm working while in college, and you know I'm going to be on my own in a few years anyway. You you keep that. You you need it. You know you you guys use it. Um, put it to better use than just sticking it in my pocket. You know I I, I can pay for the trip down here to get back up. And that was a sense of pride that. I can start affording these kinds of things. I don't need all of your, you know, support. And it wasn't like, I don't need you anymore. It was it was the right kind of, I don't need you, if that makes
1: sense. Exactly right. That is exactly right. And, I mean, it's really nice. I think there is way more wealth in this country in that parents are willing to do that. You slip a kid 20, you slip a kid 100. You know, so occasionally I've seen that happen. But, you know, and that's a surprise. If it's a genuine surprise and the the kids are appreciative, Fantastic. But if it's an expectation, that's a whole different ballgame. Mm-hmm. And you're right. There's a, you know, where, you know, our culture has really focused in on self-esteem and you deserve this and you deserve that. Well, you deserve what you earn in my book because that's me. <laughs> I'm the tough love parent. <laughs> and, and that's very important to, you know, gaining that self-esteem is what you're, you you talked about is you are earning your way. And we don't, I, you know, we, we're kind of, we have a lot of mixed messages in our culture right now. And it's very difficult, I think, for people to to be tough love.
0: Yeah. No, you're right about that for sure. So get off the payroll, or get the kids off the payroll, rather, probably a better way to say it. That might be a pretty good takeaway there. You also have these situations, as we talk about future generations, Janine, where parents who had kids later in life, and, and this is a different situation, they're still paying for college. As they head into retirement, this isn't necessarily one of those things where you just say, all right, you got to stop paying their cell phone bill and these kinds of things when they're 27 years old. They just happen to still be in college. You still want to help during that time. So I would imagine the advice here has to be a little bit different.
1: Well, college – there's been some interesting articles out recently on tuition and the high – inflation rate, if you will, on tuition, and that it's almost it's next to impossible for kids to work and pay for college because college is so expensive. So parents, you know, in some respects have had to get involved. I do think paying for college outright can be a mistake. It obviously is going to depend on your kids, you know, your kids better than anyone else. And if they are accountable and responsible, they're going to make every effort to not burden you as a parent who's clo- you know closing in on retirement or is just retired because that is a huge burden that takes away from your future years it's a huge burden on on kids to have to be burdened with such high college debt because that's what's preventing a lot of kids from being able to buy houses or save so it's a double whammy so you have to you know spend some time doing workarounds uh, you know do you go to the community college and then go to college but if you're still paying for college later in life, you really need to plan that out and you really need to have the conversation of what is affordable for you to be able to do. And sometimes the emotions of going to the right school or going to, you know, the right program get in the way of what are my financial metrics that I can manage. And I would encourage people to really sit down and run those numbers because it doesn't do anybody any good for you to get in over your head because you have paid a ridiculous amount of money per year in college tuitions.
0: Yeah. Now that's the parents who are taking care of the grandkids in college, but then you also have the situation where it's the grandparents who, and this isn't we're having to pay for the kids in college, who want to help with education costs for their grandchildren. How often are you helping people design that kind of element into a retirement plan?
1: we do see that a little more often and you know the answer is not always a 529 plan i do have some folks that want to start a college savings plan for a grandchild and so we work through what are your different options to do that and should you put any money in a grandchild's name maybe maybe not and i would almost almost always say maybe not (laughs) so there are ways to help plan for grandchildren's college that don't compromise your retirement or the instance in which the the child reaches college age and decides not to go to college. Do you penalize them? You know what are these expectations around this money? And if your a goal is to help the grandkids get self-sufficient in some way, you know that could be trade school. That could be, you know, work and and or go to the military, then go to school. So, there's a a long list of options that are worth discussing to make sure that you're planning for the largest amount of flexibility possible with that money and not locking it up somewhere. Typically, the financial media says, "Oh, just get them a five twenty nine plan."
0: Mm-hmm. that's and, that's the easy thing to do, right? or at least the yeah. it's easy to say they're <laughs> therefore right, exactly. It seems like it's the right easy, thing.
1: Yeah, it's it's a one-trick pony, and the one-trick pony doesn't work for everyone, and it might not work for what you're trying to accomplish, you know, in 15 years. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So. And then you almost alluded to this a little earlier, Janine, and that's uh, and and you kind of did jokingly, but I actually had it down on my list here of of things to bring up about this conversation about planning for future generations, and that's aging parents who are counting on their children. To take care of them in their later years. And you kind of joked about, you know, yeah, you better have a deal in place for something like that. But it, it sometimes is an assumption.
1: Well, and it better be an assumption where you've had a discussion with your kids. Because the last thing that you want to have happen is you get down that road. And the kids maybe initially said, oh, yeah, mom and dad, we're going to take care of you. But it doesn't work out. And here's why I say that. In fact, I was just having a conversation with my younger daughter this morning about this because my children are all over the country. She's in Oregon. I have a daughter in Austin, a son in Florida who I know is going to be moving, and one son in Maryland. Well, I have no idea where we're going to be, so what happens when we need care? And she said, oh, well, we're all going to, like, descend on you. And I go, yeah, I don't think that's happening.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Pick up your life and change, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and so – you don't know where you're going to be in 15 years or 20 years, unless you're you're in Maryland and you're staying in Maryland or you're, you know, in Ohio and you're staying in Ohio and your whole family surrounds you. I mean, one of my clients, that's what they did. Everybody was locally or locally located and they passed mom around until she passed away last year, but she was 93. And they could do that because they shared the responsibility. Does not mean that they didn't have some challenges and that it wasn't physically emotionally challenging to them to deal with mom that way because mom didn't want to go to a home. So when you're, you know, aging parents, this whole discussion is really important because there's an ex and the expectation can change as parents age. I mean, I see that with my parents. My mother is adamant about not moving out of her house. Well, I don't know who's coming to take care of her. <laughs> and we joke about this. Yeah. you know, because I have all these brothers and I'm the only daughter. Do I move out here to take care of her? So, mm. you know, there's this conversation about expectations for when that happens. And that is a changing conversation because people move, you know, lives change, jobs change. What does this look like? And the most important thing is start the discussion because what is the expectation? What is your expectation for your children? And do your children have the same expectation? Very important to yeah. get that out in the open.
0: Well, and speaking of expectations, it's also really important to have that kind of conversation when it comes to the last topic on our podcast today, and that's leaving that legacy. So if you're planning for the future generations, it's not all about what's going to happen while you're here. But what about afterward? And I know you talk to people all the time about wanting to be very intentional, leaving a financial legacy to their kids and grandkids. What's important to know about those conversations?
1: Well, it's very interesting. It's about a 50-50 mix with the folks I've talked with. Some people say that I paid for tuition and that's the legacy. Other people do want to leave things for their kids or grandkids. I almost guarantee that as soon as grandkids come along, that emotion or that intention changes when you see grandkids come along because there most people do want to leave something for grandkids or help their kids so the question is do you leave what is the legacy is it memories so you're going to go and do things with them and be part of their lives very intimate part of their lives while you're alive or are you going to leave a monetary legacy and if you're going to leave a monetary legacy what do you want them to understand about that Because obviously you'll have no control over that unless you put it in the will or the trust documentation. So there's a a much broader discussion of legacy and what it means to you. And it's different for everyone. And it can change. So I think that, you know, again, that's really important for folks to sit down and have a conversation and be intentional, just as the question indicates, be intentional about what you are attempting to do. Because I don't think enough people think about that very deeply. And I mean, I've had people say, I've heard people say, I'll be gone, won't matter. Well, it does matter. (laughs) Mm. And if you've left things a mess, it it matters a lot to the people who are left behind to clean it up. So, what do you want to have happen? How do you want to be remembered by those you love? And that's a much broader, deeper conversation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge conversation to have. Uh, always so important to spark those conversations, have those conversations with a financial planner, somebody like Janine Theus, who can help you take command of your financial situation. If you need assistance in kind of navigating those waters, Janine's happy to have that conversation with you. The number to call is 443-718-6311. That's 443-718-6311. Or you can find her online at Theus Wealth Advisors. That's TheusWealthAdvisors.com, the place to go. Janine, thanks so much for the conversation this week, and uh, we look forward to talking to you on the next podcast. Thank you. Looking forward to it. It'll be fun. Uh, Janine Theus, she's your financial commander, and for her, I'm Walter Shoreholt. We'll talk to you next time on Your Financial Mission.